Okay, so we are looking at what I have entitled for our study. It's a topical study of Proverbs. And um, we're looking at um, these landmarks in Proverbs. And we are discussing authority. Of course, we started off with the ultimate authority, which is the Most High God. And as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, that is certainly an issue that we must settle in our own hearts, don't we? I mean, uh, we, we just need to recognize and acknowledge that, that the Lord Jesus Christ is Lord over our lives. And in fact, uh, this may sound harsh, but if you do not submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ in your life, you cannot be His disciple. It's just impossible for you to be a disciple because a disciple is someone who is a follower, right? He's a student, a follower. And if you don't submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, you cannot be his disciple. That does not mean that you can't be a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean that your salvation is, you know, is being hazard. You're not going to go to heaven. It's just that you have to recognize the Lordship of Jesus Christ in your life in order to be a disciple. He said in Luke 14, 27, And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So you have to recognize and acknowledge and submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ in your life. And whether anyone likes to admit it or not, there is going to come a day whether you are a believer or you're not a believer, there is coming a day that every man, woman, boy, and girl is going to bow the knee and confess with the tongue that Jesus Christ is Lord. So why not do it now? <laughs> really, why not do it now? So, uh, so we're also that's that's God's authority. So we're also thinking, uh, looking at what uh, Proverbs talks about as far as that the second authority that we all. Uh, deal with and that's the authority that God has ordained and that's the authority of men okay that is the authority of men and Proverbs as I read through Proverbs I saw this authority of men listed under four headings you've got parents government uh, masters and, and teachers or instructors and so we're looking at the very first of these four authorities and that is is mom and dad parents parents and how it's important for sons and daughters to honor their parents. Whether the child is 9 or 90, they should honor mom and dad. Now, does that mean you're always going to agree with mom and dad? No. Does that mean you're always going to do as mom and dad desires? Not necessarily. But you still should respect mom and dad. You still should honor mom and dad. Um, in the Ten Commandments, the first four commandments talks about honoring God. And the very first commandment, dealing with our relationships with one another, guess what that is? Honor thy father and thy mother. Alright? So the first commandment is dealing with love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the, second and the fourth commandment begins with the second great commandment. And that is love your neighbor as yourself. And so we love our folks by honoring them. By honoring them. <clears throat> also, and this is where I'm headed... In Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, it says, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Uh, God attached to that commandment uh, a promise. It, it, it's inseparably attached to the blessing on the land. 
Um, a generation that honors their parents will dwell in a land that has God's blessings on it. Will dwell in a land that God will bless and prosper. But if a generation fails in honoring father and mother, as well as honoring God, then uh, that land will begin to suffer, will begin to be cursed, will begin to uh, suffer the consequences of not honoring mom and dad, not honoring, not honoring God. We, we've, we see that when we read in the Bible about Israel, and we see that in history. That's very, very evident in, in history. And that's why in the book of Proverbs, and there's such a strong emphasis on raising children with the proper heart attitude, especially in regard to mom and dad. Especially in regard to mom and dad, because studies have shown, crime statistics have shown, that uh, most of the social ills come from children who've never learned to truly respect mom and dad or honor mom and dad. There's something in the home that has um, gone amiss. And so that's why Proverbs, the writer of Proverbs, emphasizes this point. Proverbs 1.8, My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother, for they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head, and chains about thy neck. I find it interesting that, that those uh, verses in Proverbs chapter 1, verses 8 through 9, immediately follow verse 7 that says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and Fools despise instruction. That's the importance on honoring mom and dad. So the importance of a godly example, and this is where I finished last week, uh, the, the importance of a godly example displayed by the folks, by the parents in the home, for the children to observe is, a, is vital. It's important. Proverbs 23, 26 says, My son, give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe my ways. It doesn't take much to understand this, but if if mom and dad are not serious about their relationship with the Lord, how do you think the children's attitude toward the relationship of God and themselves is going to be? Now, I have to stop here. And I have to um, say this. Now, I've sat under preachers and teachers who have taught on this, this topic and, you know, talked about child rearing and all that kind of stuff. And I've sat under preachers and teachers who have presented the, the topic in the ideal, Right? In the ideal, in the in if it were a perfect world type of thing, and um, yes, it, it has to be taught that way because um, the Word of God is ideal. The Word of God is our is our perfect standard. It is the, as one man put it, the superlative standard for life and faith. And so when you do preach on these things, you can't help but preach the ideal. Right? That's just part of the nature of it. Uh, But also, the Bible is straightforward about life. 
Because you read through the Bible, and even though it does present the ideal, what does Romans 3.23 says? For all have sinned and come short to that ideal. We all have. And the Bible is straightforward enough to even record that. Even record that. The Bible presents that standard. That ideal standard, but the Bible is also straightforward enough to recognize, hey, we're imperfect creatures, and we're not going to live that standard. That's why God shows grace and mercy. And praise God that God shows grace and mercy to us. Now I say that because I have said under teaching concerning this topic, where the preacher or teacher presents it in such a way that if you happen to have a child that rebels then you are a failure as a parent and you must be ashamed of yourself for the rest of your days. That's not good preaching. That's not good preaching. Um, That's not even real. That's not even real. Colossians 4, 6 says, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Let me give grace as a parent who has had children rebel, who has decided to go another way. It happens. It happens. Even to the best of us, it happens. I mean, think of all the good kings of Judah that had the epitaph that they did everything right in the eyes of the Lord. But then they had a son who was just rotten to the core to take over the throne, right? And what about Samuel, the last judge? Even godly Samuel had sons that didn't meet the mark. 1 Samuel 8, 1, And it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. Now the name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second was Abia, or Abia. They were judges in Beersheba, and his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre, and took bribes, and preferred judgment. Samuel was a good guy. But his sons, they decided to go another way. Yeah, I think sometimes what um, I had a wise pastor one time say that uh, one of the banes of Christianity is idealism. We become so idealistic in our thinking that we don't give room for failure. And failure is going to happen. We're all free moral agents. We all have that potential to follow the wrong path in spite of how much the parent dedicates themselves in raising their children in a godly home that child still has a mind of its own I even had preachers make me feel so worthless because of my children that had rebelled that I almost gave up on Christianity I almost quit. But I had a pastor's wife come up to me and started the healing process. She said, you know, Jeff, even God's children rebelled. 
talking about Adam and Eve. And he said, didn't God do everything he could for these folks? I thought, yep, he did. Ezekiel 18.20 says, The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father, neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. We all make our choices. And we are all accountable for those choices. Including our sons and daughters. Including our sons and daughters. You see, the role of a godly parent is to set before the children the right path, to expose them to right doctrine, pray for them, so that when that day comes, they make the right choice. And if they don't make the right choice, you still exhort them. You still pray for them. You still love them unconditionally. Setting that godly example before them. And I have seen in homes where you had a son or a daughter just go crazy and then in, later on in years come back to mom and dad and apologize and surrender their life to Christ. See, a lot of times folks count God out of the equation. And we never, never should count God out in the equation. Never count God out in the equation. So I wanted to say that. Having been there and done that. The instruction in the home includes both teaching, and here's a real controversial topic. (laughs) Not only teaching, but discipline. Or correction. Now that may not mean always you spank their little bottoms. And sometimes I think it's necessary to spank their little bottoms to get the point across, but not always so. But the main thing that needs needs to be taught in the home is um, they need to understand that there's consequences for their misbehavior. There's consequences for their actions. And unfortunately, I don't think that's in a lot of homes today. The consequences of adverse or uh, bad behavior is, is just simply not there. And because of that, I believe that's why we are seeing a lack of respect of authority in our society. Because not everybody seems to think they're accountable for the bad behavior that they're doing. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. The word train also means dedicate. It takes dedication on the behalf of the, of, the, of the parents to instruct the child, to display a godly example, to present a balanced and equitable way of discipline and correction, as well as rewarding good behavior. Uh, raise your hand if, if you're a parent. Raise your hand if you think it's easy to be a parent. It's not, is it? It's a tough job. It's a tough job. And there are some times I just scratch my head. You know, what do I do with this? It's a tough job. You know, sometimes parents, we focus on 
<coughs> rearing our children and being a, a success according to this world standard of, or measure of success, such as you know pursuing a good secular education so that they can have a successful, well-paying career and they network with the right kinds of people in order to advance themselves. You see what I'm saying? There seems to be more emphasis on that rather than the emphasis on their relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, don't, you know, keep your kids ignorant, don't send them to school. I'm not saying that. But what's the emphasis in the home? What is, what is the really important priority in the home? I mean, if, 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 if your goal is to raise a successful businessman, in this world system but you do not invest in their spiritual welfare well it's like what Jesus said thou fool this night thy soul shall be required of thee then those things shall be which thou hast provided see if a person is a success in this world but he's, he's destitute towards God I don't care how big the granite monument is that their body lies under, they they failed in life. Because they didn't have a relationship with God. You see what I'm saying? You understand what I'm saying? You know, we're so concerned about the big houses here on earth and give no regard for the mansion he's preparing for us in heaven. A godly man once said that the success of a man is measured that it can be said of him that which is written of him in the Bible. So whatever the Bible says a, a Christian is to be, if, if you're living that, in God's eyes, you're a success. The only time the word success is found in the Bible is in association with this very thing, Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then shalt thou have good success. You line your life up with God's word, and God guarantees you success. Even young people. Even young people. So the key for us, parents and grandparents, is to lead by godly example. That we live, as it's written of us, as disciples of Jesus Christ. That we, decide, that we demonstrate to the children and the grandchildren what it means to be submissive to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Because they don't have that kind of example anywhere else. Well, they, they might... But it starts in the home. And the best leaders are those who follow the Lord Jesus Christ the best. Those are the best leaders. That's what Jesus said. Now, study after study, and you can look it up. I did. Study after study has shown the link between high-quality care... Uh, for children in stable homes, especially during those early years, those preteen years, when a child is raised in a stable home that has godly values, 
then the chances of that child not becoming a risk to society or to themselves uh, is, 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 is good. It's good. It's better. Again, Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. You're really setting a, a, a path of success for your children if you raise them in a stable, godly home. Because you're providing for them that foundation in life that a lot of kids today especially don't have. They don't have that foundation. Turn to Proverbs chapter 30. Proverbs chapter 30 in verses 11 through 14. Proverbs chapter 30 verses 11 through through 14. I look at this little passage as as the curse that falls upon any nation that fails to honor God and honor mom and dad. Everybody there? Proverbs 30, starting in verse 11, it says, There is a generation that curses their father and does not bless their mother. There is a generation that are pure in their own eyes and yet is not washed from their filthiness. There is a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes and their eyelids are lifted up. There is a generation whose teeth are as swords and their jaw teeth as knives to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. If that's not a commentary on our society today, I don't know what is. And these uh, four verses here, each of these verses deal with the four categories or the landmarks I had mentioned earlier. Authority, character, personal values, and legacy. Let's look at the first one. deals with authority. There is a generation that curses their father and does not bless their mother. This is showing disdain towards authority, even hatred towards the parents by the young people. The word curses or curseth means to hold someone in contempt, to hold your nose up. It means to shake oneself free. You know, like... um, like you've got dust or dirt on your pants, you, you, you brush it off, you shake it off. There's an attitude among young people that they brush off mom and dad, like dust on their jeans. They have this attitude towards mom and dad, that mom and dad's teachings, mom and dad's morals, uh, mom and dad's God, I want nothing to do with it. I want nothing to do with it. They shake it off. They shake it off. I mean, we see this in our own society. In fact, there are certain entities of education and state that undermine the authority and influence of the parents in rearing their children, those parents who want to rear their children in a stable, godly home. You know, um, 
they'll go to college or university and the first thing that a professor or instructor tries to do is undermine the faith of that child their faith in God their faith in in those those things that they were raised in you guys are old enough to know this at one time, we used to watch television programs that presented mom and dad as the, as the pillars of the home, right? They were the ones you go to for wisdom and, and guidance and instruction. What, how's mom and dad portrayed now in these? Mom and dad's an idiot. And it's the children that know best. You know, the, the concept of parents is uh, Homer Simpson, an oaf. And when parents do step up to protect their children from a society seeking to turn the children against the parent, the parent becomes a suspect of the FBI. We've seen that in the news. Undermining the authority of mom and dad. There is a generation that are pure in their own eyes and yet is not washed from their filthiness, the character. The word pure means to be ceremonial clean. That was the mindset of the Pharisees in Jesus' day. Matthew 23-25 it says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Bankrupt character is, is, is what we see today based on a perverted belief that right is now wrong and wrong is now right. It's there. We see it. The godly standards that once upheld a society is now archaic or old-fashioned. And in the light of this enlightened, progressive mentality, it needs to be forsaken. Why do you think they're trying to pull the Ten Commandments out of government buildings and shut down the meaning of Christmas and you can't have a nativity scene you know, anywhere on a government property? What was once taught right from wrong is now considered um, old-fashioned or out of step. Isaiah 1 4, awe, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors, they have forsaken the Lord, they have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger, they are gone away backward. You know, it's funny, they call it progressive, but it seems like the more they progress, the further back they fall. Why should ye be stricken anymore? Ye will revolt more and more, the whole head is sick and the whole heart is faint. Am I stepping on anybody's toes? I will. Um, huh? That's not my goal. It's just what's going to happen. Uh, let me give you an example. In the 1960s, there was what was called the sexual revolution. And it grew from a conviction that the erotic should be celebrated as a normal part of life. 
and not to be repressed by family. And that is, you know, mom and dad saying, you know, it's okay to date, but don't go too far. Uh, By the institution of marriage, look where that institution is today. Uh, Or the chaste teachings of sexual morality and responsibility taught, or used to be taught in the churches. Even upheld by the law of the land at one time. But contrary to the progressive liberal ideology of sexual freedom, just look at what the sexual revolution has brought to our nation. Carol back there is shaking her head because she deals with this. You've got an avalanche of social and health problems. You've got psychologically and emotionally scarred individuals resulting from uncommitted sexual relationships that bring about anxiety, low self-esteem, suicidal tendencies, if not suicide, divorce, family breakdown. I did a real quick study uh, concerning the fruit of this matter, and lo and behold, I came up with nine consequences of this revolution. Nine being the number of fruit in the Word of God. Nine consequences that still plague our society today. Abortion. In 1973, the Supreme Court made it legal to murder an unborn child in the womb. And according to um, a Des Moines Register, this is from this is um, from 1973 to 2011. 50 million unborn children were aborted. 50 million. Unwed motherhood, number two. Uh, Once largely was limited among poor women and minorities or women who were abandoned. Uh, Single motherhood motherhood has now become the new norm. Uh, Due in part largely by children who are born outside of marriage. According to a 2020 U.S. Census... There is approximately 11 million single-parent families with children under the age of 18. 80% of these 11 million families are headed by single moms. 80%. Uh, Four out of ten children are born to unwed mothers. Two-thirds are... um, Today, one in six children are born to mothers under the age of 18. You've got 12.5 million children out there being raised without a a dad in the home. You don't think that's going to impact society? Divorce. Uh, Divorce is like uh, 22%... 22.6 divorces per 1,000 married women. Okay, this is where I'm going to step on toes. It's also during this period of time that the women's liberation movement occurred, and there were issues that definitely needed to be addressed. 
But unfortunately what happened was a philosophy called feminism stepped in. Where mom in the home was now anathema. And the, and the, and the mom was feel, felt inferior because she wasn't out making a career for herself. And so mom abandoned the home. Mom abandoned the home and left children on to, to fend for themselves. You remember the term latchkey kids? When kids would come home with no mom and no dad? This also was the same time that um, women uh, marched for the right to abort their unborn child. That was a part of the feminist movement. For the woman to make the decision to abort the child. Then you had number four, pornography addiction. Of course, Hugh Hefner is the poster child of this phenomena. In 1971, Playboy Enterprises went public on the New York Stock Exchange. That, um, that gave pornography the respectable uh, persona of being a, an accepted business, an enterprise, something to be invested in. Today, the pornography industry generates $12 billion in annual revenue. That's more money than ABC, NBC, and CBS bring in together. Uh, Internet. The Internet just opened up a floodgate and caused uh, uh, addiction, especially among young people. Especially among young people. And then number five, sexual objectification of girls and women. Uh, where it was a woman's body or body parts or sexual functions that was now looked at. And the woman herself, her person, her intellect, who she was, that, that was kind of pushed aside. Because she was just an object. She was just an object. Do you remember some of the advertising back in that period of time? Look at the advertising even today. You know, sex appeal sale, uh, sells. Rape also jumped. Um, sex slaves. Then you have abnormal perversions, number six, being accepted within society. Uh, pedophilia, homosexuality, sex trafficking, sex, trafficking uh, sex industry. All of these things are now coming to the forefront in the news. Uh, what had been quietly known and even accepted in those in high places, now they're speaking up against, but not too loudly, because... They're involved. They're involved in it. Right? You kind of wonder why... Um, what's that gal's name? Ghislaine Maxwell? You don't hear a lot about that trial, do you? No cameras are allowed in. Things are kept pretty hush-hush. Do you, do you know why? 
because there's a lot of folks that are way up on the ladder they're involved in that and then as far as perversion in an article found in the National Library of Medicine National Center for Biotechnology titled Pedophilia and the Gay Movement this is what was written a history of literature and views existing within the COC Cultural and Recreational Center the major Dutch organization of homosexual men and women regarding pedophilia and its relationship to homosexuality are discussed. Beginning with definite separation between the pedophile and the homosexual identities and ending with an abolishment of oppression towards pedophilia. For which the COC is in part responsible. The article argues that the homosexual identity is by no means a constant but a fluid identity based on social views and conditions. And by accepting pedophilia, the COC hopefully will broaden the idea of the gay identity. Do you know what that article is saying? It's it's embracing pedophilia. In fact, there are certain groups, even in our country today, that are seeking to legalize pedophilia. Do you guys know what pedophilia is? Rise in STDs. Um, just, this, just this year. 20 million new STD infections. This is what shocked me. Almost half of the 20 million is among young people starting at the age of 15. Increase anxiety among parents concerning the security of their children, number eight. You know, I can remember as a kid, I ran the neighborhood like, a, like an outlaw. I had absolutely no concern over my safety because I knew the neighbors were watching out for us kids. I mean, if we were doing something, my mom got a phone call from Mrs. So-and-so down the street. Jeffrey's, you know, and that was totally acceptable because we all watched out for each other. Nowadays, I'm not too sure about letting my grandkids run around the neighborhood. You're always hearing about these creeps abducting children and then you got cyberbullying and then you got shootings in schools and parents are really anxious about the security of their kids and then number 9 the downgrade the I've mentioned this earlier the downgrading of the role of the father Dad is no longer needed or wanted. Women are opting for artificial insemination to avoid being burdened by a man in the house. Uh, the attitude of many young men is that uh, it's the young girl's issue that she got pregnant. I'm not accountable for that. Really? It takes two to tango. But yet they don't want to take the responsibility. Because chances are they've been raised in a home that grandma or mom raised them. They didn't have a father example themselves. Am I stepping on anybody's toes? Well, when it gets online, I know I will. (laughs) 
And the crux of the matter is this, guys, and this is what's really sickening, is that there is an influential element in our society that defends this kind of stuff. And if you speak out against it, if you stand the line against it, then you're, you're, you're the root of the problem. You're the cause of the trouble. You're the one that's wrong. You're intolerant, unloving, whatever it is. And instead of addressing the root cause of the problem, they just simply throw more money out. I don't know if they still do this, but... Um, I heard a, uh, a couple of years ago they were going to put condom machines in high schools in middle schools how's that addressing the problem the root cause of the problem to me that's just simply encouraging it well we just want them to be responsible well then tell them to abstain until they get married sorry but it just works me up Nine fruits of a society that doesn't honor God or mom or dad. That's sowing to the flesh rather than to the spirit. Nothing new under the sun. What was true in Isaiah's day is true in our own. You know what's really also frightening? Is that the the generation of mom and dads, the young generation of mom and dads today they don't have that moral foundation that some of us were raised with they don't they don't have it because back in the 60's they took prayer out of school they took the bible out of school they took away the foundation and so a lot of young people I, I remember I, I've, I've talked to young people who are absolutely clueless about anything anything as far as the word of God is concerned I even talked to one young man and didn't even, never have, have never heard of Noah and the ark so we, we have a generation that is spiritually ignorant and uh, primary focus of relationships is now all about me, myself, and I. And all of society should bend to my wants and needs. Am I misspeaking here? Is that not what we see? Am I sounding like a curmudgeon? Is that what it, do I? Do I sound like a curmudgeon? The outside, yeah. Personal values. There is a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes and their eyelids are lifted up. Isaiah 5.20 says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. As I just presented, just one example of the values of a society that becomes degenerated when they no longer honor God or no longer honor mom and dad which is the very first exposure to authority that children have when they forsake God and his standard they forsake mom and dad who are trying to raise them in a godly home 
then their values cannot help but become twisted and become perverted. And it all and it's and it comes down to more of personal rights. It's my personal right over that of others that is that is that is the most important thing. And so because of that they now have this self-righteous attitude that they devalue and cancel others that disagree or fail to meet their perverse ideal ideology. Again, just watch the news. For some reason, it's a bigger crime to kill a well than an unborn child. Uh, the choice of identifying of, of genders is, is upheld and even championed in spite of the biological facts. The choice of preserving one's virginity is looked upon as obscene by those who have surrendered it long ago. Not very political correct, am I? Legacy. There is a generation whose teeth are as swords and their jaw teeth as knives to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. The hearts of men are going to wax colder and colder, folks. Colder and colder. Bottom line, we all know where it's headed. A failure of a society to fear God and honor parental authority is a society that's bringing down not the blessings of God, but the curse of God. And you know where all this is eventually headed, don't you? One of these days, there's a fellow that's going to come on the scene called the Antichrist. And everything that we're seeing is simply priming the pump. The generations that are being raised are generations that are going to be fit for his arrival. They're going to buy into his Lies, his thinking, his mentality. Even so much so that they're going to worship him. That's where it's headed. Gloom and doom, right? I don't mean to be gloom and doom, but we have to face the facts. The young will begin to turn on the weak and utterly, and eventually turn on itself. Matthew 10.36, a man's foe shall be they of his own household. I mean, we've kind of seen that, haven't we? Where businesses in certain cities are burned down, whole city blocks are captured by young people, and the government of those areas is letting it happen. In fact, even champing in it, saying it's okay. Is that good for any society? I'm just asking a question. Just asking a question. Proverbs 22:15 says, "Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, 
but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. And that's what we're seeing a lot today, is the foolishness. The foolishness. Because there's, there hasn't been any correction, no accountability. Are these same studies, and these are secular studies. I'm not going to Christian websites. I'm going to secular studies. These same studies show that children whose parents are engaged in their churches and live godly examples before their children have a greater impact on that child's self-worth and ability to resist peer pressure than those children raised in homes where the parent is either absent or uninvolved, uh, leaving the child to fend for itself or surrender to some other entity to raise them. To me, parents are pretty important. Godly parents are extremely important. And parents who are active in pointing out the rewards of right behavior as well as establishing godly values as well as pointing out, hey, there's also penalties and consequences for bad behavior, their children have a better chance of surviving than those who don't. Than those who don't. Proverbs 2, 10 through 13 says, When wisdom entereth into thine heart, and knowledge is pleasant unto thy soul, discretion shall preserve thee, understanding shall keep thee, to deliver thee from the way of the evil man, from the man that speaketh forward things, who leave the paths of rightness to walk in the ways of darkness. When mom and dad are there, and mom and dad are actively involved and and, and teaching their children the difference between what is right and wrong, mom and dad is better preparing that child to face life than mom and dad who does not do those things. And that's, that's not coming from Christian sources. That's coming from secular sources. Even secular sources recognize this. Um, discipline that is firm and just but yet gracious does more good for the child than not than the absence of discipline altogether where was it I I had a quote from one of the... Yeah. Now this is a quote from a secular um, child expert. Catherine Lee is her name. The, the, uh, the title of her... Um, she wrote this in 2020. The title of this uh, article was Surprising Reasons Why We Need to Discipline Children. Okay, this is from a secular... Discipline is not only good for children... But it is also necessary for their happiness and well-being. Loving discipline is as vital for healthy child development as nutritious food, physical and cognitive exercises, love, and other basic needs. Without discipline, children lack the tools necessary to navigate relationships and challenges in life, such as self-discipline, respect for others, and cooperating with peers. 
Now that woman had to get a PhD and a doctorate to come to that conclusion when it's right here. Right here. This is not an archaic book. This is a very relative book. Thank you. Relevant. That's the right word. Relevant. That's not the animal with the big ears and long nose, right? Okay, there you go. Proverbs 19.18 says, Chasten thy son while there is hope, (laughs) and let not thy soul spare for his crying. While there is hope, Whatever form of correction you choose, whatever form of discipline you choose, it has, to, it has to be there along with the instruction. It has to be there along with the instruction. And, 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 that, and not let thy soul spare for his crying. I've done that with my mom and dad. <laughs> I promise I'll never do it again. No, they didn't turn the hand away. They knew better. You see, when you spare them because of their crying, aren't you teaching them that if they shout and yell loud enough, they'll get their own way? I don't know. Maybe. So, how important it is, is it to honor mom and dad? How important is it to honor God? Just look at the land we live in and answer that question for yourself. Pretty important, wouldn't you think? Father in heaven, we come to you, Lord, and again, we're very, very grateful for the wisdom and the knowledge contained in your word. I pray, Lord God, that you give us the understanding that we would rightly apply it, not only in our own life to set that example, but also, Father, in the life of those that are under our influence. We thank you, Father, for your love for us. We thank you, Father, for those times that you even love us enough to chasten us. Pray, Father in heaven, that you would just indeed give us that wisdom that we need so that we might walk godly before those who watch us and and that we set the example for. I pray for every mom and dad in this room, uh, whether single or not. I pray, Lord God, that you would bless them and help them and aid them and guide them, Father, that they might raise their children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen.